Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Piercing the Darkness, a podcast all about growing in faith, hope, and love towards God and exposing the forces of evil. I'm your host, Michael, and with me is my brother, Wyatt. Tonight, we are going to be talking a little bit about spiritual warfare, specifically a little bit about the demonic, um, something that the Church of America likes to not talk about because they say if we talk about it, it gives glory to Satan. I say if we don't know who our enemy is, how do we fight him? Why and I actually this past week have been watching, and don't take this as an endorsement, but we've been watching the Conjuring films, uh, the first and the second one, which is based off of true case stories of Ed and Lorraine Warren, who were America's first paranormal investigators, and actually, I believe, Catholic or Christian in some sense. And it's been very interesting. We've really enjoyed watching the movies because... In these movies, your main characters actually openly talk about God, and they talk about how they're doing this to help people, and they they go into these places and, and fight these demons and demonic powers for the glory of God, ultimately, because they believe God brought them together to do this. And actually, it's interesting because we as Christians are told that we have the authority of Christ in order to trample upon serpents and scorpions, which... in Biblical language means demons. So why in the Conjuring film, the character of Ed Warren, he talks about there being three stages of demonic activity. And do you wanna do you wanna start off by telling us what those are according to the film? Yeah. So he starts off with saying infestation, oppression, and possession. Now this is a quote from the film, so I'm just gonna read it off for you. Infestation, oppression, and possession. <clears throat> Now, infestation, that's the whispering, the footsteps, the feeling of another presence which ultimately grows into oppression, the second stage. Now, this is where the victim, and it's usually one of the most psychologically vulnerable, is targeted specifically by an external force, breaks the victim down, crushes their will, and once in a weakened state, leads into the third stage, possession. Yeah. So briefly, just to say that again, there's infestation, there's oppression, and there is possession. So if we start with infestation, first of all, let's get your thoughts on that, Wyatt. I want want to know if you've had any instances in your life where you have experienced infestation of demonic powers or presences, and then we'll get into what I think uh, scripture interprets as an infestation. Yeah, so, I mean, of course, everybody hears um, some, you know, weird noises at night. Like, maybe you hear somebody calling your name that's not there. Now, I wouldn't necessarily say that that's infestation. I'd say maybe that's uh, just your mind playing tricks on you. Or maybe selective hearing of nothing that's actually there. But, um, I mean... Of course, there are people that sometimes get intrusive thoughts, and sometimes I would say that intrusive thoughts would be the infestation, because that would be the voices that we hear. Um, Now, this doesn't always lead into oppression or possession, but I think sometimes it's just enough. Sometimes we have enough strength, enough will um, to keep it at that stage instead of allowing it to go further. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting way to put it. The Bible talks about how each of us uh, as human beings have have a quote-unquote guardian angel. Believe it or not, that is actually a biblical idea. And 
if if we have angels watching out for us as human beings, whether we're saved or unsaved, think about what demons are watching out for us too, right? Um, it's very possible, and in fact, very probable, that a lot of people have demonic powers or demonic forces whispering in their ears and don't even recognize it. I think it's Paul who says that we need to cast down the vain imaginations that rise up against the knowledge of God, and we need to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And so we know that if a thought isn't coming from God, if it's not coming from the Spirit, then it must be coming from somewhere else. Um, and a lot of times you can attribute that, I think, to Satan or one of his minions. Um, I know... So obviously um, we're taking something that the world has has said in this film, in The Conjuring, infestation, oppression, and possession, or we're trying to apply it to what the Bible says. Um, and from what I can find, it seems like there's at least one specific instance in Scripture that I can think of um, that kind of matches this idea of what the movie says infestation would be. Uh, and it's when King Saul, when the spirit of the Lord was removed from King Saul in 1 Samuel 16, it says, an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. And the only thing that calmed the spirit was when David played music for him. And we know David was a worship leader because we've read the Psalms, so it clearly was music that glorified God. That that obviously calms down spirits or uh, gets rid of spirits at least for a while. So to me, the spirit that plagued Saul and almost made him depressed, it was almost a, a spirit of oppression. That seems to be more of the infestation than anything else, I think. Yeah, I mean, if he's not physically interacting with Saul, I would say it's, it's closer related to the infestation idea. I mean, remember, there is nothing new under the sun, so this idea had to have come from somewhere. I wouldn't say necessarily that it's something that the world created. I mean, I'd say more it's something that they have personally witnessed, at least in a spiritual, physical, um, spiritual slash physical um, circumstance, I would say that that's what they have witnessed. And I would say that's true in most cases, actually. I mean, I've read um, uh, Patrick Meacham, I believe his name is. Um, he wrote uh, Nightmare on Fifth Street. Mm -hmm. And uh, he wrote another book, I a night, or I'm sorry, a nightmare in Holmes County, and then it was 225th Street. And he, I read both of these books, and they were absolutely incredible. Um, but he kind of had that whole process where he heard noises, he heard somebody walking up the steps, he heard like somebody speaking to him from with with his door shut, somebody sounding like he was in his room, and then of course after that. It became more noticeable, like he would start seeing furniture being moved, like start feeling physical. Like I think he woke up a few times with bruises. Um, I mean, I mean that's just it's infestation into oppression, and I mean I don't believe it ever got to the point where he became possessed, but I mean that's just something that. A few people, like, I, I would say that it, it isn't something the world necessarily created, but more of a... It's their interpretation, maybe, uh, of things that go on. Yeah, yeah, I would say that's probably a better way to describe it. No, I, I would agree with you. I think that's probably right. Um, and because, obviously, 
when it comes to stuff like this, you know, there's a lot of thoughts out there. There's a lot of people who believe in the paranormal, but they don't necessarily believe in the, in the Bible. They don't necessarily believe what God says about these things. And so there's a lot of, I think, false ideas out there that get into people's heads, like um, the spirits of people trying to communicate with you, people who have died, whereas in reality, those are probably demons um, just trying to deceive you and trying to pull you back. And then there's other instances where um, people may have actual mental issues and then attribute that to a demonic force. And sometimes that's true, but that isn't always true. In 2 Corinthians 12, Paul talks about God allowing a messenger of Satan to torment him um, so that he would rely on God's grace and God's power so that he wouldn't become conceited because of his tremendous uh, abundance in spiritual truth. And a lot of people think that that was some sort of sickness or something that Paul had. I don't think that's necessarily the case. I just think it was something like this infestation idea where a demonic power was constantly trying to, trying to get into Paul. I don't think it was necessarily something physical as much as it was just a demon trying to continue to badger at him. A lot, again, a lot of people attribute that to being a physical ailment of Paul's, but that doesn't, Scripture doesn't actually say that. In fact, if we actually listen to what Scripture says about demonic interference and about spiritual warfare as a whole, it's usually very much mental as opposed to physical until the possession stage anyway. So that being said, um, let's move on to the oppression stage. Now, Wyatt, have you faced anything like that before? Have you had any experiences that have to do with oppression? Do you know anybody who has? Um, well, there's two instances that come to mind. One, when I was like nine or ten years old, I had a bunk bed and I was coming down from the steps and when I got to the bottom, I had to kind of go around my bed because it was, it was a very large and it came outwards and there was these little slots inside because there were two, I guess the best way to describe it would be like podiums or just boxes, I guess, holding the bunk bed up, but one of them had slots in them like shelves and it had like maybe four of them, but one of them was at the bottom and it did have a little, like maybe an inch height from the from the ground, so kind of, so it was its own shelf at the bottom. I didn't put anything on it, but um, yeah. So one day when I was walking across, and then I think it was like what two or three in the morning, and all of a sudden I feel something grab my right leg, and it felt like a bony hand, like an older lady's hand. I didn't feel any fingernails, so I can't say for certain at the moment, but. They were very petite hands, so I could tell that it was either a woman, an older woman, or, well, definitely something not of this world, so that scared the living daylights out of me. So I would say that's something attributed to oppression, because it's a physical, or a spiritually... A the spiritual, spiritual interacting with the physical. Correct, yeah. Um, and then another one where I had a buddy who was looking into a mirror once and he saw a reflection of a demon and he got his brother in the room as well as they were both in the same area and his brother looked into the mirror and saw the same exact thing. Who's that? It was Brandon. Oh. 
Oh, I'll have to have him on the show sometime. That's crazy. I have not heard that story before. That's different. I actually have a confession to make on air because I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea. I was actually the hand that grabbed you all those years ago. You're shaking your head at me, but I actually was, and I vividly remember it. And I was actually going to wait till your wedding to tell you that, except for the fact that now we've had it on air. So. See, I don't know if I can believe it, though, because I ran directly into mom and dad's room. I know, and then you ran into my room. But you were, your door was shut, and I didn't hear it open. Why were you up at <laughs> 3 in the morning doing this? Do I don't know? know. I don't think it was actually that late. It was. You're welcome. But that stuff does happen. That stuff actually absolutely happens. I actually had a friend. Uh, we had just graduated high school, and he was completely impressed by a demonic entity. So much so to the point where I would say he was almost possessed, if not possessed. Oh, you know what? But that's a whole different story. Yeah, I, I, you know what? I totally disregarded this when I was working as a janitor. If like three in the morning at a Catholic school. That's right. important. Right. Um, I was working at a Catholic school. They had a bunch of cardboard cutouts of Pope Francis everywhere. <laughs> Freaked the crap out of me. I used to I used to make like Snapchat stories and put them in different areas, like all across the building when it was early in the morning and I'd like open up the elevators and boom he'd be there. It was it was really funny. It scared some people. They sent me text. But, um, no, I, I constantly felt depressed there. Like, yeah, I remember you telling me that. We were on the phone a bunch of times where you would tell me that. Yeah, because we, you were up early going to school and I would call you or something. Nine when you had an hour break. Yep. It was it, it constantly there. It was, it was ridiculous. Like, every, like, it was usually the same three floors. And, like, every time I went in a certain area, I would feel a dark entity hovering over my back. And then there were a few times where I actually saw shadows of things that were mm. definitely not human. Mm. And it, oh my gosh. And I would and I would say if we're going by the definitions the Conjuring movie gives, because I might actually label that oppression in you know in, in our own definition, but according to the film definition, I would almost say that that was more infestation as opposed to oppression, unless it physically interacted with you. Yeah, I would say you're probably right. I mean, I did hear some whispering and stuff. Never audible. It was always inaudible, but it, yeah. was, it was not speaking. Well, yeah, and at 3 a.m. when you're on high alert anyway, right, you can exactly. I you mean, tell what them. people usually say 3 a.m. is, like is the witching hour. Yeah, the witching hour. Yeah, the haunting hour or the witching hour. Yeah, in most occult circles, that's the case. It mocks the trinity. Yeah, yep. That's the, so, uh, that's the thought behind it. Um, which is kind of funny because in the Conjuring movie, when all of the activity starts happening, it happens after uh, 3 a.m. Um, or, or very well before. Yeah. Like we saw in the in the second one, where yeah. it was like just getting to nighttime. And yeah. They, but in the first but, one, it, like it only happened after that time. Right. I feel like that stuff because remember when they're laying in bed, remember it's the clock stop at 3:07. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. I think that consistently happened during a pre- or I'm sorry, infestation. I think it was 3 a.m. during infestation. And then once okay. it becomes oppression, it becomes any time of the day. Okay. I think that, I mean, that would make sense to me, right? I would agree with that. I would agree with that. 
Um, again, no solid evidence on that necessarily no, whatsoever, no. but based on other people's experience, that seems to make sense. Um, when we actually go back to the word, though, when it comes to oppression, I think of two specific instances. I think of in the Old Testament when Satan came before God and condemned Job. And God gave Satan the ability to take all of Job's possessions and to kill his kids yeah. and all of that stuff. Uh, Satan, Satan's goal wasn't to possess Job. And the demon's goal weren't to possess Job. It was just, yeah, it was just to oppress him. It was just to get him ultimately to reject God. So God, so God allowed him to take all of his riches away, all of his family minus his wife away, and eventually even let him cause physical ailments like boils to appear on Job's body. And so in terms of oppression, whenever I think of demonic oppression in the Bible, that is one that automatically comes to mind because it's so vivid and so destructive uh, to the point where people actually can die. Uh, another example I would use would be in the New Testament, would be in early Luke, Luke chapter 4, where Satan actually comes before Christ and tempts Christ. That's, that's usually the one I think of, yeah. where he's in the desert. Yep, yep. And he tells him, hey, turn this stone into bread if you're so hungry. Mm -hmm. And he says, you shall worship the Lord your God, and only him shall you serve. And like, And obviously Jesus comes back at the devil with scripture, but... The interesting thing about that is, is the devil uses scripture in the first place to try and tempt Jesus. Um, so that's something people need to be aware of too, is that the demons believe God. James says, even the demons believe. You do well to believe, but the demons also believe and they tremble. So I, I think it's very important. Belief is not the only thing that matters when you're in the Christian life and when you're going through spiritual warfare because the demons believe, and they know Scripture probably better than you do. So you really need to be on your guard. Right, because they, they know it so well. They twist it so that it sounds correct, yep. but it's still not. It's, it's said yep. in a way where it's twisted in just a way so that it's not actually Scripture. Yep, it's, yeah, exactly. And that's the exact situation Jesus found himself in in the temptation. And Adam and Eve found themselves in when the serpent initially twisted God's word just a little bit so that they would eat the fruit on the knowledge, uh, the tree of knowledge, good and evil. You know, a modern day uh, parallel to that would be the argument about abortion, actually. Interesting. Is that, okay, so abortion is morally wrong, right? It's killing another person. Absolutely. Not to kill. Now, people always say, well, what about rape abortions? And I've never heard anybody come back to that because they're like, oh, well, rape shouldn't be a thing. You're right. Abortions for rape victims. I don't ever really hear anybody say, hmm. well, that's just twisting something and making it okay because of a specific thing that you're saying. Well, we have to remember what demons do. They, they can't really tell the truth. So they have to twist the truth just a little bit so that it sounds just like the truth. It sounds good, but it's, but it's just wrong. I, I think one of the best examples of this is C.S. Lewis' screw tape letters. Um, mm -hmm. I think, honestly, everybody should read that book, especially every Christian should read that book, probably next to the Bible, just so that they understand what daily life yeah. what those temptations are. Right. Um, and it's stuff that you don't even recognize, stuff that you don't even think about, and yet it's right there in front of your face all the time. Yeah, no, exactly. It's a, it's infestation, it's oppression, it's it's everything. Right. It's, I mean, you get from intrusive thoughts all the way down to, like, somebody hitting your car. 
like day-to-day -day activities that just for an average person like oh this is an inconvenience or damn you just caused me financial strike like yeah i know people think that they're just normal things but right. very much they i mean they can very probably be demonic things again we go back to job how did all of that stuff happen um well right satan well, no, Satan did it. Yeah, Satan oppressed Job and took things from him. But but think about the way in which he took certain things from him. He caused boils to appear on Job, which is a very physical thing. People would be like, oh, just go see the doctor. You'll be fine. Right. He killed his children with fire from heaven. He took his livestock through tornadoes. I mean, Satan uses everything God has already created. It just twists it just enough. To use it against him. I mean, remember, he is the prince of the earth. He's the god of this world. Well, yeah, but I yeah. mean, prince of the... I've prince heard, of darkness. Yeah, prince of darkness. And, yeah. yeah. I mean, here's the thing. It's like, he has dominion over the earth, right? Right. He can cause these natural disasters. I mean, we're just seeing it with this new hurricane. Yeah. I think that's going to hit Florence, North Carolina. Yep. South Carolina. South Carolina. And my apologies to you, North Carolinians. Sorry, um, Ben. <laughs> um... <laughs> No, I mean, we're, we're, like, he, he is the lower G god of this earth. Yep. Like, he has dominion over it. He can do whatever he wants within the realm of allow, God allowing him to. I mean, he, we're seeing it with this hurricane. Heck, we've seen it with every major hurricane that's hit since, like, 2004. Right. And again, I'm not saying every bad weather thing is demonic in nature. That's obviously not what we're saying. But the, he, Satan and his minions can use that stuff. There's no question about it. Scripture is very clear about that. Which leads us ultimately to our last phase, and that's possession. Um, I don't think you've seen anybody demonically possessed, have you? I have not. Okay. Well, depends on if we're talking about um, like watching the YouTube video of somebody Possessed. Well, that, yeah, that's that, that stuff you can that. see online and yeah. stuff like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, um, very... Well, and, and like we heard at the end of The Conjuring 2, uh, in the credits, yeah. you actually hear the real tape of them talking to the, um, the spirit, the yeah. demon. Yeah. So that's kind of creepy in and of yes. itself. Um, I actually have um, been in the same room as a possessed person. Um, I actually think... There are two instances in my life where this has been the case. Um, one where lights were flickering underneath somebody that my mom and I both recognized as somebody had a demon on them. Um, I think that it's very possible this person was possessed, but we cannot confirm that. Um, the person left not long after my mom and I started praying against the person, and then uh, Russ actually started praying with mom about the same thing. And the person ended up leaving, and I don't think we saw him again the whole rest of the conference. Hmm. Uh, the second time had to do with a friend, and that's a story for another podcast that I'll be doing with the two friends involved with that later, at a later date, um, so you guys can save save the date for that one. But going back to scripture, there's a, one extremely clear case of demonic possession in scripture. There, there's more than one, obviously. There's, there's many times Jesus was casting demons out of people who were possessing people. Yeah, um, yeah. Many times. But there's one in particular that people always think of, and it's the demon legion, which wasn't just one demon, it was a group of demons. And this is found in Luke 8 as well as Matthew 8. There's two, two different versions of it in both Gospels. 
And um, there's also one in Mark as well, actually. And I forget what, I think it's Mark 5. Mark 5, I think, is the other one. So I think it's told three different times throughout the Gospels. John is the only one that doesn't tell the story. But it's a man who was so possessed to the point where he was running around a graveyard, that's where he lived, naked, was cutting himself, mm-hmm. wore chains, and when ten men tried to restrain him, they couldn't. <laughs> so that that's, that's clear possession. Um, it doesn't mean there's necessarily a legion of demons in somebody if they're possessed. There could be one or two. There could be just one. There could be ten. Or, again, there could be a legion. There could be over 2,000. But the point being... The ultimate point of this podcast is not to scare you guys, not to just focus on the forces of evil, but to say that we don't have to bow down to these things, that we can recognize these things that as Christians, as believers in Christ, as sons of God, we are actually called by him to stand up against these things. Ephesians 6 says to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. I think as believers here in America specifically today, we a lot of times think that our enemy is the people around us, is the non-believer, is the Muslim, is the liberal, is this person or that person. Whereas in reality, these people are, are simply being used by demonic forces. In reality, other Christians may be used by these demonic forces. In reality, our, our enemy is not these things. It is what is behind these things, behind these people. And we need to be very prepared to fight these fight these things. And I'm not saying that everybody is going to exercise demons. That is something that... Well, what some are called to do. Yeah, that is something we are called to do. At the end of Mark, Jesus makes that very clear, that we are to cast out demons. And in America, we've written off demons as being mental, mental illnesses, illnesses or psychological disorders yeah. or strange phenomena that don't really exist anymore or just people's attitude changes. Or just crazy people. Or just crazy people. We as the church need to be really intentional about doing our job, and we need to ask the Lord for discernment and for courage to stand up against these things, to put on that whole armor of God, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the shoes of peace, the shield of faith, and the helmet of salvation. And we need to know our Bible because the Bible is the sword of the Spirit. The Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Wyatt, do you have any do you have any final thoughts before we go? Oh no, I mean just stay vigilant, make sure you're aware of your surroundings. You know, if somebody is dealing with something that seems like a spiritual attack, pray for your brother or sister. Um, and make sure you kind of watch for these signs. If somebody looks to be oppressed, like they're losing sleep over something, they're um, constantly in anguish or torment, like, reach out to them, you know, give them a Give them a shoulder to lean on or even an ear to listen. Continually pray for them. Yeah, continually pray for them. I mean, uh, there's not much we really can do. I mean, besides, of course, if they allow us to to pray for them and to, if they are, um, if they do have demons oppressing them, to pray against that demon. Yeah. But, of course, these people have to allow it. Yeah, ultimately, people want to be willing. come back tenfold. Yep. So... 
Yep, it's exactly because right. It's not worth it to do it if somebody doesn't want it to leave. If somebody doesn't want the spear to leave them, it's not. It's not going to. And if it does leave, it's only going to come back stronger. So. Yeah. I would say, just you know, with the, you know, a sound mind, make sure that you're watching out for your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, and to. Just, you know, be there for them and to do what God has called us to be, which is to save and to... Well, we can't save anybody. To, well, yeah. I mean... To, share the to gospel. Have, yeah, to share the gospel, to heal the sick and cast out demons in his name. Absolutely. Remember, your obedience to Christ is somebody else's deliverance. So, always remember that. I pray for all of you who are listening. I pray that you would have courage, that you would take heart, and that you would be bold for the sake of Christ and bold for the sake of the kingdom. Remember your authority in Jesus Christ to trample over serpents and scorpions. And remember that Satan is a defeated foe. He only has as much power as we allow him to have in our lives. So, that being said, Godspeed, and God bless you all.